0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: This is Stories from the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia.
0: Hello and welcome to Stories from the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. I'm Bobby McCumber. How well can you swim? Seti grew up by the sea in Samoa, but he never ventured further from where his feet could touch the sand. The open water didn't appeal to him back then... But decades later, Seti runs swim tours across the Pacific as the director of Samoa events. He's also the co-founder of New Zealand's Ultra Marathon Swim Awards. Seti's many hats include the president of the Samoa Cycling and Triathlon Federations. Seti, talofalava.
1: lava, Bobby. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you and your audience.
0: Oh, of course, it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, Seti, Why did you prefer to stay close to the shore as a child?
1: Safety. Um, It's it's firma terra is something that we all, having our feet firmly planted on solid ground, uh, is uh, is something that we all uh, know as uh, living close to the sea. Uh, we knew that water is fluid and moves and that uh, being on solid ground is safe. <laughs> uh, and so it was an easy decision to make every day of our lives.
0: <laughs> what were you afraid of?
1: Uh, personally, I was afraid of being off drowning um, mm. and uh, you know, the water presented the opportunity for uh, people to lose their lives uh, and also for a person who uh, was unfamiliar with water safety or knew how to be safe in the water. So therefore, you develop uh, uh, this fear of the water um, and also... Uh, yes, uh, Pacific Islanders. We, we have uh, sometimes hear uh, stories of uh, of the sea monster, of the tanifa, uh, of uh, things that are unknown, of the big uh, uh, the big fish that will swallow you up and uh, devour you. So all these things that will play uh, play a role in in uh, in keeping you <laughs> firmly on solid yeah. ground.
0: You mentioned was it Tanifa? What's
1: Tanifa? Tan, Tanifa is uh, is a sea monster. Yeah, in oh. uh, in Pacific Island Pacific Island culture and uh, uh, legend, uh, there is uh, Tanifa is a uh, monster, a sea monster that you'll find in 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 legends right throughout Polynesia.
0: Uh, How unique do you think that fear of the deep is?
1: I think it's um, it's not unique in the sense that we a lot of us have it. Uh, It's something that's uh, part of of us at the moment. the The question for for islanders is uh, when we talk about swimming is, but why do I need to swim? I don't need to go to the sea to swim three kilometres because I go to the plantation every day. That's my fitness. Uh, so different to uh, the Western, uh, our Western cultures and pop- uh, communities where swimming is part of uh, exercise. Um, and so I get that the, the question as, as, as to why I'm, I mustn't, why do I have to swim in the sea? Um, because I'm doing the exercise anyway, working in the plantation. But, for us, the, the ability to enjoy the ocean um, around us and enjoy it well and safely is something that I think Pacific Islanders miss out on because we don't swim. And the phobia or the fear of the deep um, is something that has developed over the years. Uh, well, I, but my mother... Uh, would smack, uh, would uh, discipline me, uh, give me uh, smack if I went to the uh, with, if I went to uh, the sea, and I grew up with that fear, not just off mm. the sea, but also my mother, <laughs> uh, and so <laughs> you know <laughs> it didn't help. So my mother must be right, and there are stories that support her, and therefore mm. we have this fear that's uh, uh, is being part of our upbringing. Mm. Um, but, of course, our parents are disciplining us because don't go in the water because you'll drown. Hmm. And I think most Pacific Islanders grow up grow up with those instructions from our parents and our older people.
0: What can you remember about the sea that you grew up next to?
1: Uh, the sea was uh, a source of, uh, of course, uh, livelihood for a lot of people, uh, including our family. I remember my uncle, uh, venturing out to uh, behind the reef in this canoe and uh, to fish and uh, get um, – and it, 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 so that would uh, provide for our family. But I also remember myself uh, going out to the reef, and, of course, you can walk to the reef at low tide and, um, and, and um, get um, – and fish in the, on the reef and uh, at low tide, and it's also – it was, it, it's not that I was totally averse to being on the water. It's just I needed to be firmly, uh, um, make sure that my feet touched the ground. But <laughs> I also remember with my friend, friends, it um, was one of our regular habits as young people after uh, doing our chores in the evenings, going out and throwing our rods in the water. But of course, we are firmly uh, standing on a rock. Uh, getting uh, ourselves and uh, in, in, uh, casting our rods in the uh, our lines in the city and 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 getting fish. So uh, the sea was uh, a source of uh, a lot of good things for for our, for me personally and also our families.
0: Where was that? Which part of Samoa did you grow up in?
1: So I lived. Uh, I know you're familiar with Samoa. I lived in Upolu and uh, the village of Falefa which is uh, 26 kilometres. East of Apia on the North Coast, so um, so uh, so that's where I grew up as a youngster. Um, in my first uh, until I was a teenager, and then we moved to New Zealand with my family.
0: Ah, what was your childhood like then?
1: It was um, it was um, a difficult life. Because we, like all Pacific Islanders or Samoans, the village villages in that in – that, uh, yeah, I was born in 61, so that gives you some idea. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> it, it, we – people didn't have much in those days. You know, we, we, we had plantations and so on, and so we would go to school in the morning. Uh, and then at one o'clock, one thirty, would come home, have a quick, um, a quick, uh, a quick meal or whatever was there, uh, and then we would go to the plantation in the afternoon uh, for two, three hours. So um, the source of, uh, uh, we go to the plantation to get some food uh, for the evening meal, uh, gather coconuts to sell at the market. Uh, And and, uh, so I remember doing that every single day of my life. And then you come home and uh, and, uh, the children, most families, also uh, uh, prepare the evening meal. Uh, So uh, that's what we would do. And uh, in the evening, when that is done, there might be just a half an hour or an hour left of daylight. And then we'd all rush down to the sh- uh, to uh, the uh, village green for a game of cricket, of Kilikiti. <laughs> or we would go to the beach and, uh, um, and sometimes uh, and, um, me and uh, two of my friends would uh, go out into the rocks and cast our lines out uh, close to shore. So that was uh, d- that was our t- childhood. Uh, pretty much every single day except for Sunday, of course when we would go to church and in the afternoon, Sunday was great because in uh, in the afternoon after church, uh, we would have after the big uh, Nai and then we would have a, a siesta time for two, three hours. And so that was uh, life for us and it was a wonderful time, uh, mm. not without its challenges.
0: Of course. Seti, you moved to Aotearoa as a teenager. How long did you feel that fear of the deep?
1: Oh, well, the fear, the fear of the deep wasn't so so obvious in Aotearoa or New Zealand because you, we we weren't even uh, close to the sea in, in living in Auckland. Uh, we might have gone gone out to uh, a picnic at uh, Shakespeare Park in Tāmakiātea uh, no, or some place like that, but uh, you know, I was not uh, didn't go anywhere near the water in uh, in in Auckland for a long, long time.
0: So not living near the sea, but obviously still thinking about it, why did you decide to challenge that fear?
1: I went to um, – I remember visiting Samoa one time, and I was with uh, an uncle of mine out in Nassau Harbour, uh, and I was um, I was on the boat, and uh, we were fishing in the channel. And I was just terrified of the water, of the of of, uh, of the deep. There, I remember just mm. being so terrified of that. I was visibly shaken. and um, and uh, I was vis- even though I was on the boat, I was visibly uh, shaken and afraid of uh, of drowning and of the boat mm. sinking. Uh, and I thought to myself, "This is not. Uh, this is not. Uh, this is terrible thing to to uh, to feel like this." I was an adult then. Uh, I think mm. I was at the time. I was twenty seven, and yeah, I was reduced to being a terrified person. Uh, in, I can still remember how I felt that then at that time. At the time, it was it was not a good feeling.
0: Mm. Where did you first attempt to swim past the point where your feet couldn't touch the bottom?
1: Uh, in St. Heliers, in Auckland. Um, so I, joined the, this, the, I joined a, a squad in uh, uh, in Auckland near where I lived in Onehunga and I uh, started to uh, learn to swim and uh, I was an adult then uh, in my late 40s and I uh, wanted to swim, I wanted to be able to swim uh, Oh, the plan wasn't to uh, swim in the sea. The plan was just to get some fitness. But of course, mm. it's um, in pool training, and then you get some fitness and so on. It was, and uh, your your squad members are talking about a sea swim. Then you think to yourself, "Oh, okay, now I'm going <laughs> to confront this fear uh, <laughs> and uh, go out." And so, and so we we went out and started to uh, swim and. And nobody knows of your fear of the deep. Nobody does. And so we start to swim out to uh, the first marker. And that's not far out. That's what what, about 200 metres out. Not even that, maybe 100 100 metres out. And I couldn't even make it out to the first marker. I had to be escorted back to shore. Even though by then I was I was a capable swimmer, but still mm. fear of uh, of uh, not touching the uh, not touching the ground uh, was still there, and I still remember the day that I swam out and then I said, and then I was also visibly shaken at the time, and my uh, my, my swimmer friends uh, could see it, uh, and yeah. my coach escorted me back to shore. Uh, that was the beginning of my ocean swimming, uh, um, and um, and I think it took a couple of goes before I could uh, I could be uh, feel comfortable to uh, to confront that fear, uh, face uh, um, head on.
0: How did you feel during that first swim, attempting to get to that first marker?
1: It was terrifying. Um, mm. It was terrifying, and people who. Uh, uh, you will would understand this uh, listening to uh, this particular story, and uh, in those of us who have this fear of the deep and uh, being afraid, and there's many of us. Um, when you um, when you don't touch that security under your feet. Uh, and then of course you you, you fear drowning, you fear, uh, the, you also fear of, uh, there's always talk of, uh, of sharks in the water. I think Pacific Islanders first question is, what about sharks? What about sharks? What about sharks? What about sharks? And so that sort of plays in your head. And, and when you don't touch the ground, you have those fear that, 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 uh, being repeated in your, in your head and sort of doesn't it's it's, it's um it, and it drives you crazy and uh and if it's not if you don't control that then yeah so that was me so my even though mm. I could swim now uh, I was escorted back to uh to the to the to the shore to shore um and sat there and waited until the next time. Mm.
0: Seti, that was back in 2009, which was the same year the tsunami hit Samoa. Uh, how afraid were you of the ocean in that sense?
1: Well, I, the tsunami didn't help because now, of course, you you see, you hear of people uh, drowning in the tsunami. You know, the, the, the terrifying sea uh, coming now onto the ground where we live and stealing... Um, lives and taking them to, uh, uh, and taking people out to sea. So of course it, uh, it, uh, didn't, it didn't help at all, uh, knowing that happened to, to what over 100 people in Samoa and more around the Pacific.
0: Seti, when did you start feeling free in the open water?
1: It didn't take long. Uh, because I, um, I think it probably the next time we went out was uh, the next weekend. And uh, so the more I swam with people, the more it was uh, becoming um, safe. I felt started to feel safe and started to realise that there's, um, it's quite safe out there. Uh, so long as you have the, uh, the ability to swim and keep yourself safe, uh, and uh, learn how to read currents and also what you're capable of doing. Uh, and that uh, and the water is quite safe um, so long as you can swim. And that's the key thing for us uh, as uh, Pacific Islanders and as any uh, as people e- e- everywhere uh, is that when you can have that life skill that you can swim and float and keep yourself safe and not panic, uh, then the water becomes your friend, not your enemy.
0: Mm. What does it feel like for you now, being in the open water alone?
1: It's freeing. Uh, love it. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's beautiful. You know. It's um, and uh, soon after that, I, uh, I started to uh, swim on my own, and now I I swim basically uh, largely by myself because I'm uh, I'm not a fast swimmer. I'm a, uh, fairly slow uh, and so I, I want to swim lot before to go at a certain pace i uh I'm comfortable in my own skin i'm comfortable in my own pace so when I'm out there, I love it it's beautiful and it's just uh, wonderful to uh be able to go out beyond the uh, beyond the reef and enjoy um uh the water out there hmm.
0: You're listening to Stories from the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. I'm Bobby McCumber and I'm speaking with Seti Afoa, the director of Samoa Events, which hosts swim and cycle tours around Samoa and the Pacific, as well as marathon and half Ironman challenges. How did you go from fearing the deep as an adult to taking people right into the deep via Samoa Events?
1: <laughs> um, that, that in itself is a story. I was uh, um, it's, so two years after uh, learning to swim, but I was uh, I was in the same squad that I was with uh, when I started, and somebody said, "How about a swim tour of Samoa?" Uh, and of course, I'm the only Samoa in this conversation. <laughs> we are having coffee. We are having coffee in the uh, uh, as we do as squad members. Um, so everybody's looking at me, and I said to myself, "Okay, um, looks like we're going to Samoa, and I'm leading a tour, a swim tour of um, this is 2011." <laughs> and uh, and so that particular year, we had 22 people. Um, we went to Samoa in July, so that's four months after that conversation. Oh, wow. Uh, after Money Coffee. Um, <laughs> and, and so that's how it started. In uh, 2011, that was the first tour in Samoa but uh, Nupolu and Saba'i. Uh, we were based out uh, then at the Aggie Grace Hotel in Apia, um, advising Ano. Uh, and in Saba'i, we were at the of Beach Fales and Manasseh, um, So we were there for a week and had a wonderful time. And then next year, in 2012, I found myself now moving to Samoa. And uh, when I moved to Samoa in 2012, and I started to think, maybe we could hold some swim tours for other people. And so the Samoa Swim Series was born in 2012. Um, and then um, we added the Half Ironman in 2013, and the Tour of Samoa, which is a cycling race, in 2014. Um, the marathon race and uh, and other events started to come up, and and then um, the cli- our clientele would come back year after year. And soon somebody said, "How about uh, swimming somewhere else?" And so. Um, Tahiti was next. Added a tour of Tahiti, added a tour of Tonga, uh, where I mm-hmm. am now, uh, also Aitutaki and Rarotonga. So, so um, now I pretty much sort of in uh, the last three, three months, I've been on the road with uh, wonderful people from everywhere around the world, the world uh, showing them the Pacific, um, swimming in all sorts of wonderful places and wonderful spots, not just in Samoa, but around the Pacific. <laughs>
0: Seti, half Ironmans, marathons, island-to-island swims, these are all really tough events. What kind of people do you come across in your work?
1: Good question. It's, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, let me tell you that when I ran the first uh, half Ironman in Samoa, our race in Samoa was called the Warrior Race, and that was in 2013. At the time... I, I hadn't even been to a, a triathlon race at all. So here I was organising this half Ironman in, in Samoa, and we had athletes like uh, the great Cameron Brown uh, from New Zealand. We had Tim Burkle from Australia. We had, um, I think Tim's still racing pro. Uh, we had Sarah Crowley from Australia. <laughs> She's still racing pro. Uh, and um, we had the Gina Crawford, who was crazy pro out of uh, Wanaka, and others. Uh, We had all these uh, pro athletes and a lot of other age group athletes, and I was um, welcoming them, not knowing who they were or having met them running the first half Ironman in Samoa. Wow. And I know that sounds crazy, and and in a way – uh, not not the best thing to do, but here we were uh, starting this uh, the, this half Ironman race in Samoa and having all these wonderful athletes that everybody knows around the world, um, and I didn't know any of them. Uh, but <laughs> there we were. We started that, and out of that race, uh, we've been running the Warrior race for uh, well, ever since, uh, and out of uh, that series of events, uh, the um, – Oceania Triathlon invited me to form the Samoa Triathlon Federation. Uh, the Samoa Cycling Federation came up uh, three, four years later. And all these wonderful opportunities that now our, our young people are taking up and being part of. And we are, uh, as well as uh, Samoa, being part of uh, triathlon in the world and also cycling, uh, UCI cycling around the world. Hmm.
0: How much have these Samoa events showcased the Pacific to the world?
1: Quite um, significantly. I think um, right now, I think uh, Samoa is probably the only Pacific country that still holds a half Ironman race. Uh, And so for Samoa, we are now known not just for a warrior race, the the half Ironman race, uh, but also swims like between Sava'i and Upolu. Uh, You'll know the territory. Mm. Um, And that swim is 23 kilometers. And so people come from around the world every year to swim uh, that body of water. Uh, And other races as well. Our tour of Samoa that we run uh, is an amazing tour. Uh, People, riders that come up, call it the fourth grand tour. And and so this is uh, serious riding, serious racing um, for road, road, road cyclists. And Samoa is suddenly being seen as a, um, a a place where you can come and um, a, and do all these wonderful races that we wouldn't used to have. One thing of note: there are other races in the Pacific, uh, particularly swimming races. Uh, but I am the only Pacific Islander event operator. I'm the only event operator of Pacific Island descent that runs events like that in the Pacific Islands. I'm the only one that resides in the Pacific uh, of uh, Polynesian descent that runs races in the Pacific uh, for other folks around the the Pacific, around the region in the world, but also helping develop swimming, riding and uh, running in the Pacific, not just in Samoa, but also in other parts of the Pacific.
0: We love to see locals running local businesses. Uh, Seti, I have to ask so that swim from Savai to Upolo, 23 kilometres. If a Samoan yes. wanted to swim in this, ra- in this swim, what is the setup? What, what boats do you have? And what if someone can't make it? What's the whole mm. setup of a, a, la- a long swim like this?
1: Yes, um, there are plenty of swims like that around the Pacific. In uh, Apolima Strait swim, uh, we, uh, we we had four uh, swimmers this year uh, complete that swim in uh, on the seventh of August, and every swimmer must have a boat, uh, and uh, every or, every swimmer must also have a kayak, uh, and of course uh, the police boat Nafanua accompanies uh, the the swim as a matter of safety. Uh, the police divers uh, on that boat and also the safety equipment is on that boat. Uh, but the, the, to answer your question, every swimmer must have a boat uh, for their safety and also to carry their crew uh, because you, the swimmer must have uh, um, food and water and drinks. Uh, you have to have that as a swimmer. Uh, and uh, of course, in case of... Um, of um, of an incident, you need to be able to to get out of the water on the boat and to be safe. It, uh, we've had one situation where the swim was abandoned, um, and that was uh, recently in May. We had two swimmers in the water, and the weather the weather got uh, got uh, uh, pretty rough. And the police said we well, hey, it. so it's too unsafe. Uh, we'll call it, uh, and, and it was the right call too.
0: Seti, aside from fitness, why was it so important for you personally to start swimming?
1: Well, see, I see, I grew up not as, um, um, not as, uh, I'm not a sport, I'm the least sporty person that people know, okay. particularly in my family and our community. I'm not, uh, I grew up uh, as a youngster with a deformed leg from polio. Uh, and so the opportunity to play team sports like rugby uh, didn't exist. And so for me, as a person, to sw- as a swimming, offer that individual approach to discipline, developing that identity as a, as a person who's self sufficient uh, in your know, in your own and comfortable in your own skin. That was it. That was it for me.
0: How much did it help you connect with your culture?
1: In a way, it's um, it's made me um, embark on the community work that we do uh, have been doing for ten years. Uh, in uh, engaging with, uh, with young people in triathlon and cycling, so creating that opportunity. But also uh, Samoans in the past and Pacific Islanders in the past were not afraid of the water. In our history, you know, particularly in Samoa, a lot of our Matai names and Matai titles um, link to people who did the great explorations of explorers in the water swam long distances um, between and Polu, so it's nothing nothing new that kind of thing but it's uh, it's now lost uh, it's uh, now lost in the invention of uh, of modern transport. We don't do the things like that anymore but people in our culture way way in the past long ago, uh, we're comfortable in the water and did ex- and swam and and did uh, wonderful things. Uh, sailors and as uh, we are known as navigators, island of navigators. That was the first name given to Samoa because the uh, uh, we were seen way out in sea, far from land, in our boats, in our sailing boats. So it's reclaiming that culture that we once had, and that mm. excites me.
0: Seti, thank you so much for promoting the sports that you love in Samoa and across the Pacific. Fafitai.
1: Fafitai, Tele Lava. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: That was Seti. For the Director of Samoa Events, you've been listening to Stories from the Pacific. I'm Bobby McCumber. To catch more great stories about incredible people from the Pacific, just search for ABC
1: Pacific. This story was produced on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people.